Chapter 2 I can't dwell for too long on the sepia-toned memories of my happy suburban childhood without feeling a little anxious. The weight of what I lost begins to sit on my chest. I've been through so much that now I have a much better sense of carpe diem. Seize the day, appreciate what you have, and other fortune-cookie truisms become more meaningful when you look back on a childhood cut short and a happy life thrown into chaos. Inevitably, I come across a memory that's wrapped in regret, like a doleful burrito. If only I had, that moment will never come again. If I knew then what I know now. For example, I certainly would have been more kind to my sister if I had known what was in store for her. There's no point to that kind of thinking, but it's always easier to daydream about a past that could have been than about a future you can still make happen. Another example, I always wonder what would have happened if I had just told my classmate Julia that I loved her. I was fifteen at the time, four years after my bottle rocket episode, and she was more fascinating and explosive than fireworks had ever been. She was all I could think about. Can a fifteen-year-old know what love is? What a cop-out. Of course he can. Nowadays, when I fall in love, it feels like the way it felt with Julia— with slightly less extremes of giddiness and devastation. I think I had convinced myself that I was too young and that my hormones were keeping me from seeing things clearly. I never said the L word to her, and I always wonder what would have happened if I did. She and I were lab partners, and while Mr. Pietra Santa, our earth science teacher, talked about igneous intrusions, she used her hands to make her own intrusions into my pants' pocket. It's amazing what a strategically placed jacket can conceal. The fact that we weren't supposed to be doing those things, being the good little Catholics we were with our rosary beads in our pockets and Bibles by the bedside, made it difficult to talk about them. At parties, we'd disappear together, locking ourselves in a bathroom and kissing, drunk on each other while everyone else had to content themselves with gin and whiskey skimmed from the tops of their parents' dusty bottles. The only thing we ever did that vaguely resembled an actual date was when we went to see a movie with a group of friends and ended up sitting next to each other. The movie was Teenagers from Outer Space, and it was so ridiculously and self-consciously bad that we were embarrassed just to be there. It didn't help that the lights in the theater that night never dimmed to comfortable anonymity, probably the movie theater owners trying to keep their teenage audience from doing just what I had hoped we could do. Things that are born as secrets tend to die in secret, and she was the pain I carried around all through high school. Yes, please, pass the Kleenex and start playing your violin. High school heartbreak. Everyone goes through it, and if they didn't, then they missed out. All the same, it's still hard to think about, so I will drop the subject for now give a little more background information, and then begin my spasmodic journey to the present. Near present, I should say, as the meat of this story actually took place several weeks ago, when the world was about to end. No, really, the world was about to end. I'm not being hyperbolic. I don't mean the possibility that Donald Trump could have been elected president, or the kind of economic meltdown that seems to happen every couple of weeks, or global warming, or your favorite TV show getting canceled. This is just your good, old-fashioned, non-financial, non-political, non-environmental world ending. 
You were blissfully unaware how close you came. The earth itself was moments from becoming, as a very brilliant man put it, an inert, hyperdense sphere about 100 meters across. That's what we're dealing with. You're welcome.